Hello everyone, welcome back to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode, a packed episode, because the last weekend was a really, really packed weekend for wrestling and wrestling lovers. It all started with New Japan's, the the ending, the finals of the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Juniors. We had the Super Jacob, we had Triple A's Triple Mania 28, we had Impact's Impact Plus Special Final Resolution, and it was just a lot, a lot of wrestling. So, coming to this uh, show, I, I really had to pick and choose what we should talk about here, and I figured... Let's talk about New Japan for the most part, because there's a lot of things going on. Like we obviously had the ending, the final to the tournaments. We have several matches announced for Wrestle Kingdom 15. And there are other news from Japan that I think are worth talking to. And so given that there's a, a lot of things to cover, I am promising a Triple Mania 28 mini episode uh, that will probably be released in one or two days after this one gets released. Um, everything's ready for it. I just uh, didn't want to like put it together along with this episode because then we're going to be here talking for three hours of, of wrestling. And I don't have a problem with that, but I don't want to keep you from listening to other podcasts or whatever you do with your life. And so... That's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, in addition, I I don't think I'm going to be covering final resolution other than quick results. It was an Impact Plus special. These shows are not exactly, uh, they're not pay-per-views uh, or pay-per-view caliber uh, shows. Uh, Impact just barely started putting attention to these shows again. They used to do them as um, kind of like a like a contractual thing uh, for Impact Plus to promote it. But now that the the, the business has kind of changed for them, they have started to put more attention to them. They have started to put um, some title changes. But, I mean, booking-wise, they're still somewhat irrelevant. And we'll talk about that when we get to the Impact Traffic Report. But before that, let's just go all the way to Japan Let's go all the way to December the 11th for the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors 28, 27. I think it was 28, 27. And the World Tag League 2020. This show took place at the Nippon Budokan in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, I believe the attendance was about 3.5K people. Uh if you if you watch the show uh there's people seems to be like more clustered together now so they look better they sound better because there's obviously like japan knows how to like clap and and make it fun and obviously like 
they, they, they're people. So their natural reactions. And uh, it, it was, it, it does make feel the shows differently when, when you go against other shows like, you know, Impact and AW and AAA that I watched this weekend and, and everything else. Because live people, even if it's clapping, it makes a difference. But anyway, this show was like realistically, it had like obviously the purpose of crowning the champions of the World Tag League and the champions of the best of the Super Juniors. But it also had the purpose of being the final stop before Wrestle Kingdom. Like we are, we have the road to 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 Tokyo Dome shows, but this is like the big final show that they were gonna have. And so this is the show where they're gonna do a lot of angles or a lot of like connections in order to build the, the card for Wrestle Kingdom and in order to also kind of build the cards for the road to Tokyo Dome shows. And so half of the show, if not more, well, yeah, four of these matches are just tag team matches, uh, like six ways or eight ways or whatever. But they're only just meant to be there to make make up stories. And so, like, I don't think we need to go into the quality of the match because they're really just like teaser matches. But let's go into what each match is creating. And so let's start with the first match, which was the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori defeating Robbie Eagles, Sho, and Toru Yano, so the team of Chaos. And the, the finish was Chase Owens pinning Ravi Eagles after some uh, help from Batlock's Fale's uh, grenade. And the thing here is that after the match, so like be, even before after the match, like ever since uh, Fale came back, Yano has been trying to scoop slam him. <laughs> and obviously Yano cannot do it because he's smaller and weaker. But... So, like, they continue this story, and after the match here, we saw Fale destroy Toriano's King of Pro Wrestling trophy, and he pretty much made the challenge for a match at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, and obviously, we need to wait for Toriano to reveal what the stipulation is going to be, and if you ask me, it's going to be a scoop slam challenge similar to Hogan and Andre or and or whoever did it before and i wouldn't be surprised if in uh, wrestle kingdom jano manages to scoop slam Fale uh one way or another for the big pop and and the win so uh nothing much uh we had the we had show and taiji here and robbie eagles obviously i don't know what Robbie and Cho are going to be doing at Wrestle Kingdom. I think I wouldn't mind if they team up to chase um, Desperado and maybe Doki if, if Kanemaru is not good to go for the junior tag titles. So otherwise, I don't know what we're going to do with Cho at this point. I honestly thought that with this match we're, we're gonna see Cho pin Taiji to get himself into uh the title contention mm, for the for Ishimori's at Wrestle Kingdom but it didn't happen so 
I do hope that at least we get Eagles and Show versus Desperado and my boy Doki. And that would it for that this match. Um, next up, we had The Empire, Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, and the Great Okan defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Toa Henare. Uh, they pretty much continue the story of Tanahashi is old and he gets worked on. The like the three things here to see is one, obviously we have Osprey versus Okada already booked for the Wrestle Kingdom, and so they did their thing, like obviously. The second one, Great Okan beat the shit out of Tanahashi, and they kind of hinted Great Okan and Tanahashi back at the World Tag League, but now it's pretty obvious he focused on them after the match. He attacked him with a chair. And so we are going to be getting Great Okan versus Tanahashi. And the third one, they gave the win to Jeff Cobb, obviously over Hanare. But Jeff Cobb gets a win um, because he will be, as we are about to talk, challenging Chingo Takagi for the never open weight title. And that takes us to the next match, which was... LIJ, Los Ingobernables de Japón, Sanada, and Shingo Takagi defeating the Bullet Club, the team of Evil, and Yuhiro Takahashi. And this match, again, two purposes. Sanada was... Uh, man, he was on fire this match. Like, this... A lot of, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people think that this is where we've seen the most emotion out of Sanada. And, I mean, I, I can't really disagree... He looked pissed off. He was pushing around the, the ref and the young lions so he could get his hands on Evil. And so, again, we have an, another match here. Uh, Evil versus Sanada taking place at Wrestle Kingdom. And the other thing achieved with this match was Chingo got the win over Yuhiro, which, I mean, obviously, but it was to get Chingo at the end so that Jeff Cobb could come out. And make the challenge for the title. And Cobb delivered an amazing uh, two of the islands on him. So that is uh, going to be an interesting match. These two wrestled. I do believe it was not. I think it was last year's uh, G1. Yes, because that, I think that's when Cobb debuted for the G1. I don't remember loving that much. Um, like. The, the, the match so we'll see how it goes I think so like my, my problem with this is that a Chingo has a speed that Cobb cannot uh, keep up with and Chingo cannot really slow down that much and so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I do think that Chingo is small enough for Cuff to toss around. I just hope that Chingo can pull off those jumps and tosses uh, and sell them, you know. But if anything else, that should be a great never open weight match. Um, you know, because don't, don't never, never doubt Takagi. <laughs> That, that is a rule in life. Never die, doubt Shingo Takagi. And next up, we had Kora Ibushi and Master Wato, along with Mr. Tenzan, 
defeating, well, Tencent was uh, the second, defeating Los Ingobernables de Japón, Bushi and Tetsuya Naito. Obviously, we are building Ibushi versus Naito. I'm going to be honest. It, I kind of forgot that this match was going to take place. I just felt uh, like it, when I watched this show, like I felt a slight disconnect on things that were already packed for Wrestle Kingdom. I like during the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Juniors, I jumped in and out from New Japan because honestly, I was just it was a lot. And I also wanted to watch a lot of stardom and, and Tokyo Joshi and DDT and all that stuff. And so at, at one point, because we hadn't really seen much of them. I totally forgot that Naito and Ibushi are going to go at it at Wrestle Kingdom and also Jay White. But so like watching this match, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. We are getting Ibushi and we're just like a couple of weeks away from that now. I think we're like two weeks away from that, like or three. But like it's it's right around the corner. Um, and so we had Ibushi and Naito. They did their thing. It was good. Uh, we had Wato and Bushi there to support. And... I'm going to have to say, like, the things that I enjoyed the most of this match was seeing actually Wato and Naito and Bushin and Ibushi, like, interact. There were, like, new, like, pair-ups that I hadn't really seen much. And so it was just, like, fresh, like, interactions. And that was nice. I, I loved seeing Bushi and Naito tease Tenson uh, by doing the, the, the chops. Uh, against Wato and Ibushi. That was just fun. And those were the two, the four matches, the, the tag matches that were like made to build uh, several feuds heading into Wrestle Kingdom. And now we went into the two, I, I would say the two main events because I think, I mean, in any other year, the World Tag League Final would, would have been a main event. But uh, we started off with the guerrillas, Los Guerrillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, defeating Finn Juice, David Finley and Juice Robinson. They went about 20 to 20 something minutes, like not beyond 25, but like between 20 and 25. Um, I gave it about, um, I think I gave it like a four stars because I really enjoyed it, but I also wasn't like super amazed. I think I gave it between three and a half and four stars. Um, it was, it was your usual story of like, in this case, Finley getting cut off and then comes uh, the hot dog and then comes like the chaos. And at the end we're chasing finishers. And at the end, the finish saw, Kenta come out and take out Juice, like feeding him to to the gorillas for the magic killer. And actually, it was the the big uh, the superpower bomb for the win. I to me it makes perfect sense because you can now have the gorillas chase the dangerous deckers, and you can have Juice Robinson chase Kenta for the briefcase. Um, it makes sense. Like it sucks for Finley. He's probably just going to be a second or trying to find himself in some other match. But, um, I don't know. It was good. Mm, like 
I think Tangaloa and, and Tamatonga had looked really, really good in the in the World Tack League. Um, they came back motivated, and Finches are also great. Like they 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 know how to deal with the crowds. They 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 have a lot of energy. I'm not the biggest fan of Finjus, but I do enjoy watching them. And and that was the the World Tag League 2020 finals. I like part of me at the end was kind of like I don't know, like, there's a little bit of disappointment that it's the Gorillas of Destiny because I've seen them a lot during the years, but then again, there's also not many, many options left. So at least Dangerous Techers versus the Gorillas will be like something new that we haven't really seen. It's going to be heels versus heels. So that may be interesting too. And we'll see how it goes. And finally, we had the best match of the night and arguably... If you think about it, maybe one of the best New Japan matches of the pandemic. And this was Hiromu Takahashi defeating El Desperado to win the best of the Super Juniors. And there's some little controversy in this match, and I think we should just like go straight into it. Towards the end of the match, I would say like three-quarters... Uh, into the match Hiromu like in a fit of rage obviously I mean kayfabe rage he destroys Desperado's match and I don't know if he was going just for the eye that reveals like half of your face you know the usual uh, Lucha Libre like trope but he started pulling and he didn't stop pulling until he tore off half of the mask and, and it got to a point where Desperado was just, like, pretty much wearing a COVID mask. Uh, and so Desperado, he just kind of went ahead and, and removed the rest of the match. And he finished the match with no mask. I personally love this. Here And here's why. Here's why. So, to begin with. Desperado is not a Mexican luchador. The like there are no masked young lions in New Japan for a reason. And for that matter, there are I don't think there are any masked like rookies in Japan altogether. I don't think so. I could be wrong. I maybe like that machine kid, but even then he probably had to have done matches without a mask. But the point I'm going is what is that uh, in the term of in the case of Desperado specifically, everyone knew who Desperado is like we've seen him without a mask. Uh, I do believe this is at least in my memory, the second time that he has done similar of like wrestling without a mask after the mask was destroyed and. And so I wasn't bothered. It it this wasn't like I don't know like Dr. Wagner removing his mask out of nowhere, you know. This was uh someone who pretty much just wears a mask as a gimmick 
as a image and not necessarily because he is hiding his identity we all knew that uh, that desperado i mean he's not always worn mask he sometimes has like he had some time where he wasn't wearing a mask and i mean we all knew who he was and so i wasn't really bothered that we got to see uh kiyosuke mikami wrestled and and that's it i i do respect obviously the opinion of people who think this is a, a little bit of uh disrespect for the lucha culture i i mean sure uh, i i think uh i think it could be seen as that and i wouldn't disagree with you you think like that to me i wasn't bothered it actually made the match better i got super hyped because that gave like it was already a dramatic match and that like took it to another level for me because i saw a pissed off desperado like pissed off and i thought it was just like beautiful to see like a pissed off heel react like that and and obviously like to me he looked like a million bucks just like like a dude with guts and I loved it. And so uh, this guy, I think this match went about 30 minutes. It was fantastic. Desperado worked on Hiromu's leg. And oh boy, did he worked on that leg. Like every counter that Desperado did, uh, he tried to connect it to the numero dos. Or he tried to just like make it about the leg. Uh, he had like several near falls with the numero dos. Like that he was just like starting to grab Hiromu's arms at one point he had both arms and he lifted them up and then Hiromu turned into a Canadian destroyer like all those little things were fantastic and Hiromu himself like he was amazing his selling was amazing his offense was amazing his energy was amazing and he also looked to a certain point like between pissed off and just like full of like I don't know like grand tour and so I really really loved this match I I may need to go back and, and rethink about some of the G1 matches that I watch. Well, I mean, I watch them all, but I need to think about them. Because I do think that this match may be right now, like, the best since the pandemic, but, like, easily top three uh, match of the year, including uh, your Wrestle Kingdom matches from, from earlier this year. So this is a match that... <laughs> I would totally recommend. I gave this match uh, f like four and a half stars, I think. No, four and three quarters almost. Yeah, it was really, really close. Um, so, I don't know. I love it. I, I love both wrestlers and, and they clash. And I was like super happy for Desperado, of all people, to main event a show at the Budokan, I think. I would argue that this is the biggest match that this battle has ever had in his career. <laughs> so I was just incredibly happy for him to get the to get this rub, you know. And so that was the 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 finals to the World Tag League and the best of the Super Juniors like co ran show. Um and I this I have to mention also, I guess, that the post match of the Takahashi and the Spell match where Hiromu 
he's he said like he should be challenging Ishimori, but before that he wanted to challenge the winner of the Super J Cup. Uh kind of like in a in a battle of the tournament winners where only the real winner, the real man who has earned the right to challenge Ishimori gets uh the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. And and to me that made perfect sense. Um it made Hiromu look like a fighting champion. And obviously, as we we're going to see, uh, he's going to go against the guy who realistically shouldn't be earning a title shot out of this, but will be taking advantage. And so with that, I guess we can go into the Super J-Cup. And here's the thing about the Super J-Cup. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Why? I started it... Um, I, it, the show started with Chris Bay and Clark Connors and that was a 10 minute match. And before the match ended, Alex Koslov and Kevin Kelly, the English commentary bored the fuck out of me. <laughs> I honestly lost complete attention and it wasn't even the first match. And this is a show that has like, it has no, uh, no audience, but even if you compare it to shows like Impact or the NWA or, <clears throat> I don't know, like some other shows that I have, I've seen without people, like early early DDT or early All Japan, early Dragon Gate, all those things, this show felt completely dead. You could, you like, there was a void of sound happening in this show um, because Koslov and Kelly have like zero, zero energy. Kevin Kelly, I always thought that he has fake energy, you know, your usual uh, like WWE type of fake energy, the same that people complain with Josh Matthews, for instance, or Matt Stryker uh, is just like fake energy. And to me, that's Kevin Kelly. And he's always been like that. And Alice Kopslop is literally just charisma void, like zero energy. Uh, and so I just honestly couldn't like I started late the show uh, and then I couldn't even get into it the first match. And so I figure I'm going to start the the Japanese uh, audio track, but I, I just wasn't able to get it in. I don't know if I'm going to go watching this show because uh, realistically, I'm not exactly like super excited about any of the matches. And let's just go over them. Like first round matches, Chris Bay defeated Clark Connors, ACH defeated TJP, Blake Christian defeated Ray Orus, and El Fantasma defeated Leo Rush. Then we had Danny Limelight and JR Kratos defeat Fred Rosser and Rocky Romero. We had the semifinals, ACH defeat Chris Bay and El Fantasma defeat Blake Christian. And then we had, uh, a Hikuleo and Kenta match defeating Kevin Knight and Ren Narita. And at the end, we had El Fantasma defeat ACH to win the Super J-Cup 2020 and become like back-to-back -back winner. And so just going through this whole card, I could tell you I'm interesting, interested to watch ACH TJP. I'm interested to watch ACH versus Chris Bay. And that's it. I want to watch Renarita to see how he's doing. 
but I couldn't care less about Hikuleo or Kevin Knight. <laughs> to me, this could have been Renarita versus Kenta, and that would have been perfect. And so I can't really promise that I'm going to uh, cover this show. It, it just doesn't look interesting. It's like watching like a, like a game changer show or something like that, you know? But anyway, I think uh, the thing we need to talk about is that El Fantasmo won the Super Jacob. And so the, the history of the Super Jacob is, yes, Jushin Liger started a long, long time ago because he wanted to have, like, to find the best junior in Japan or arguably the world. And, and the story is that the Super Jacob has never been a New Japan thing. Um, I believe that at one point Osaka Pro did the tournament. I think at one point, I don't know if all Japan did it, but several different promotions have done the Super Jacob depending on, you know, the availability of, of everything in the world. And so in this one, like the, the 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 thing about Super Jacob was never about earning a junior title shot. There are no you only get like <laughs> you get your cup, you get your jacket, and you get the bragging rights for being the best junior in the world. Because this is where we we used to be uh, to see uh you know a lot of foreigners coming to Japan too, and so to me. It, it works really nicely that El Fantasmo, the like the troll of trolls, is like has the potential to actually get himself a title shot out of winning this cup because he's going to go against Hiromu Takahashi. And in the other way, like Hiromu Takahashi looks like a super baby face, uh deciding to I want to beat the other tournament winner to prove that I am the tournament winner and and to me that makes perfect sense um so I'm really happy about that decision for Wrestle Kingdom that means also we're gonna get hopefully two Hiromu Takahashi matches uh that week and who can say no to that um I don't remember seeing Hiromu versus Fantasma before they had to have fought before I'm guessing but I don't remember but I mean, that should be interesting. And we've seen Hiromu versus Ishimori. Ishimori is not always the most exciting guy. But when Hiromu is in there on the other corner, they 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 have amazing matches. They've had a like match of the year contenders before. So I, I think it's going to be good. It's a good plan. Um, in terms of the rest of the thing, I... Like, I've heard good things about most of the guys. <clears throat> Hopefully, some of them stick around. Maybe. But uh, that is it for the Super Jacob. And now that we've gone over both, like, all three tournaments, let's do a quick look at the current status of Wrestle Kingdom 15. So here we have the matches. January 4th, we have Naito versus Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. There's not much to talk about it. They're gonna probably gonna like drop each other on your uh each other's heads. 
and it's going to be brutal. A lot of people are going to complain that these wrestlers are trying to kill themselves, but uh, it's probably going to be an amazing, amazing match. <laughs> we have Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay. Mm, this, I mean, this should be just amazing. Like, I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, giving all circumstances. Well, I think it's it's believable uh, that there will be some interference, at least from B. Prisley. But I, like in the same way, this is also Wrestle Kingdom. Um, that's the show that sometimes Ghetto like eases up on the on the sheeting, or at least doesn't make the like too much. So this should be just like an amazing, amazing, amazing match. We have. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan. This is what people are like uh, complaining the most about, mostly because it's Tanahashi and you're you're wasting him, quote unquote, with the Great Okan. I actually think this is going to be the sleeper of the the whole like week because I don't doubt Tanahashi. I think Tanahashi. Is going to to bring out a good match out of Great Okan based on psychology, based on selling, based on a story. Yes, Great Okan is not like the best work rate. He's not the best uh, worker, but I think Tanahashi can bring out a good wrestling match out of him. And so I I, I think this is going to be a sleeper. Uh, we have Taichi and Saxaver Jr. The Dangerous Techers defending the. IWGP Tag Team Titles against the Gorillas of Destiny, as we already talked. Uh, I think this is going to be like a good clash of styles. I am obviously like, like, I'm excited to see Zack Saber stretch out Tamatonga and stuff like that. Um, I want to see Tai Chi like just be amazing as always. And like the interesting thing here to me is that is this is uh, heels versus heels. Uh, we don't tend to see that much. Uh, like in New Japan, especially unless it's a tournament. But this, I don't know. This has this has potential. Mm, so we'll see how it goes. I think I think it'll be good. And then we have uh Hiromu Takahashi versus El Fantasmo for arguably the number one contender spot for Ishimori. And as we already talked about, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Like Fantasmo is considerably taller than Takahashi, so it's going to be like a, a nice clash. And um, if anything else, Fantasmo is going to be a great heel for Takahashi, and Takahashi is just gonna like no seller or something. I don't know. And and that's what's currently announced for Jan Fourth. I uh, I do wonder if. The current situation is going to make these shows considerably shorter. It is still the Tokyo Dome, so I don't think they're just gonna have like a six match, um, like a show at the Tokyo Dome. But I can't also imagine they're going to add many many matches. I would argue that they will add maybe two more matches to Jam Fourth and several to Jam Fifth, the fifth. And talking about Jam 5th, we have the winner of the Naito Ibushi match versus Jay White for the, obviously, again, both titles. Uh, we have Sanada versus Seawall in a special singles match. 
we have Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb for the Never Openweight title. And we have Taiji Shimori versus Hiromu. And I mean, versus the winner of the Hiromu ELP winner. And so this seems to be more about uh, like, like if you, you can see that Jam 4 is more about like the special uh, singles matches. And Jam 5 right now is more about the single titles. So like right now, we are missing the never open weight six man titles. We are missing. I don't know if Yano versus Fale is going to happen here, but we are missing that one. Maybe they announced it for the road Tokyo Dome, but I, I just honestly haven't checked. My bad. But um, I mean, we still do have like that kind of counts like a title. So I don't know if that could be considered for one of these days. So that's two matches that could be added. We are obviously missing, uh, you know, your Ishis, your Gotos, your Suzuki's, your Yoshihashi's, um, and Doki, Doki, like the most, one, like the most improved wrestler in New Japan this year. So we'll see how they get at it. I wouldn't be surprised if we just have like one of those, like we may get like the New Japan Rumble one night and maybe the the trio's gauntlet on the other one just to also get like we also don't have despi and kanemaru defending the titles the junior titles so there's still matches to add i think they will be added as we go along the road to tokyo Dome, where we'll start to see like where things start to connect uh i can imagine certain matches haven't been announced mainly because uh, certain things need to be like evened out there may be some like uh, like trio title changes before to Tokyo Dome, so that we can free up some wrestlers. Um, they're probably waiting to see what's the status on Kanemaru to decide on whether they put the, the they move it to Doki or not. So all those little things are going to be evened out as we go. We also haven't heard anything on whether there's going to be a Stardom match. We do know that Stardom has a big show on the 20th of December. And so I think that show may have repercussions that we may be able to read. As in, may Stardom be part of the Tokyo Dome? I mean, we now know they're both under Bushi Road, so it wouldn't be surprising. So we'll see what happens with that too. But that is... Uh, the current status of Wrestle Kingdom 15, uh, it it doesn't feel like it, but the hype is starting to grow on me. The more I I, I see the matches, like I said, like by by the eleventh, I couldn't even remember that night when Ibushi were going to wrestle in a couple of weeks. But now, uh, now that we're done with that stuff and we're just into the road to it, I feel the hype starting to grow a little bit. I am interested, obviously, to see some of the build-up matches, to see how some of the interactions will grow. Like, for instance, Sanada and Evil are is super heated right now. So we'll see if it gets even more heated. Uh, and those little things, well, I mean... I don't know when El Fantasmo will arrive in Japan. Uh, 
if he has to do a quarantine and he had to tape the best of the super juniors i have to imagine he should be arriving in japan he, he's already there he should be arriving in japan like right about now so he can do his quarantine and then have time to hopefully build one or two shows but you know those little things we we need to consider and whew, i don't know i think we're headed into some really really good wrestling uh on january and talking about like without leaving japan there was the announcement of this year's tokyo sport awards this this is like i don't think there's really much to see into it but i think there's things that we can analyze uh these are really like these awards are super political they are mostly like a marketing device in my opinion but it does give us a glimpse of what the industry in japan or at least the 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 people are seen in the industry and maybe we can analyze from there but like let's go over them the this year's mvp award went to naito uh usually the mvp of the year goes to whoever is the new japan uh iwgp champion it's it's similar to the pwi in the u.s where they always or usually give the the number one spots to whoever the wwe champion is or unless like some other promotion is making more noise and they they give into the other champion but it's usually just like i mean the champion whatever and so the mvp here went to naito he he won uh the titles in wrestle kingdom he lost them and then won them again and i mean naito has had a good year uh all things considered uh and so he he got the mvp next to the mvp we have the most outstanding uh wrestler or performer of the year and this is so like like here the difference would be like the mvp is the wrestler of the year uh outstanding performer usually goes to the worker of the year and it is in a way like a second pro, uh, like a second place rise like a runner-up and this went to go shosaki and i don't think after the last month anyone can argue that go shosaki wasn't one of the best wrestlers in the world uh go had an amazing year he won the title really early he defended he has like led uh noah all year he he had like one of the better stories, you know, with his friendship with Nakajima, you know, Axis and then the breakup and the title defenses and he is Noah. And so Gochizaki, in my opinion, easily outstanding performing performer of the year. And arguably to a lot of people, he could have been the MVP if Noah was a bigger company. Like, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, we had uh Tetsuya Endo from DDT, the, the KOD champion. He won the Technique Award. Uh, again, this one, like, it felt like he was given the, the award because they wanted to include DDT in this way. Um, so, but I mean, I mean, 
Endo is is worthy of something like a technique award for sure. He is an amazing wrestler. But this one does kind of feel slightly forced in my opinion. Uh, Juliet uh, from Stardom won the Women's Wrestling Grand Prize. If you want to make an argument for Mayu Watani or Yuka Sakasaki or Susu Suzuki, uh, you are, you have like, you can have like a strong argument with any of them. But Julia, honestly, is, she's kind of like the poster girl for stardom right now. And stardom is the bigger uh, women's promotion in Japan. Um, so it's, it's understandably and Julia, like, she's not like bad. She is, in my opinion, I'm going to vote for her as the most improved wrestler of the year. And I think she is a good, a good person to, to put in this position as a, as a women's wrestling grand prize. Um, again, like I would have loved to see Yuka Sakasaki there, but I am not, I do not disagree with Julia taking this prize. Again, she is the poster girl of what women's wrestling may be in the next year for Japan. So, might as well go with it. Uh, we had Takashi Sugiura and Kasushi Sakurawa win the tag team of the year. And this is the one that I was the like most like, hmm. Let's think about this. Because uh, I don't think they're an amazing tag team. Uh, I think, I mean, they're both great com like wrestlers and everything. But I don't think they're an amazing tag team. I don't think they have necessarily have like a legendary reign this year. But then we have to compare against every other tag team right now in Japan. Violent Giants who have been winning this award for a while have been irrelevant this year because Suwama has been a champion. And, and so we haven't had that much violent giant action. Uh, we have dangerous stackers, but I don't really see Tokyo sports giving the, t like this prize one to sack saver and two to Tai Chi. <laughs> I just don't see it. Uh, Again, political stuff. We have like gorillas, fin juice. Those guys were not in the country most of the year. Um, you have guys like Goto and Yoshihashi who were great, but they're not really also at the level. Um, who else do we have? Like in, in DDT, we have obviously we have an eruption and now to lose. I do feel that Naitulus was way too young for Tokyo Sports to give them the the prize. And Eruption just barely won the titles. They're just starting to pick up like steam. And so I thought that was like going to be hard. And again, like DDT is not exactly like everyone's cup of tea. I think it's already surprising that they got one prize with Endo. And, and so... Man, I would have loved Night to Lose, but uh, I, I can totally see the politics behind it. Uh, if we go to Noah or... Do, do, do. 
like for instance axis would have been like a good contender but then obviously they broke up and they wouldn't have given goal two prices so again that wouldn't have worked uh i don't know if tokyo sports has ever given this prize to a women's tag team i highly doubt it because otherwise i would have considered uh, some tokyo joshi teams mm, arguably the the rabbits obviously ajuka sakasaki and and suki but whew, i don't think they would give this this prize to women and so like if you really start to like see the list of of teams you really start to notice that there's not many any options like again i don't think tokyo sports is going to be giving prizes to big japan or a2w or i don't know like ice riven or sendai girls or choco pro because i mean they could have given it the, the title to May Suruga and Aki <laughs> for for that like for any so I don't know um, uh, Kiromu Takahashi uh, won the Fighting Spitter Award for coming back from the neck injury yeah I guess this year um, we didn't really have any like any big like something that would pass us Fighting Spirit uh, at least nothing as big as Kiromu Takahashi for sure so I mean that is a, a pretty good option. And the, I think those were all, there was no newcomer award this year. Again, if you really start to think about newcomers this year, there are some rookies, especially women, I think. But I don't think anyone's particularly uh, made a big name yet. Like they were not gonna give the, the thing to Gabriel Kidd, for instance. And in stardom, like stardom right now has a couple of newcomers, but I don't think they've been there. Uh like the newcomers that are really good have been there already like uh prior to a year, and the ones who they debuted this year haven't really been in the like the whole year or have improved that much. And so I don't know, maybe Dragon Gate, but I don't know. Uh this this was a tricky one. Uh, I think this is more because of how Japanese wrestling developed this year. Obviously, with no people, you have less time to train certain wrestlers, stuff like that. And so I don't know it's it's kind of here and there. It's completely understandable that there's no newcomer award this year, in my opinion. But uh, those were the awards. Like I said, I think we can we can notice that. Obviously, Stardom and New Japan are still, you know, the business of the business. But I think it's really, really interesting to see that this year, all Japan didn't get shit. And Tokyo Sports paid a lot of attention to Cyberfight, that being the company overlooking Noah and DDT. So... I, I think those are the things that we can see. Uh, this may reflect in a way on All Japan this year because this year All Japan decided to put the title on Suwama. They had uh, guys like Yoshino and who were kind of like used here and there, like the whole like Les Enfants Terribles. And so 
don't know. I think there's there's things to see there. Uh, maybe Zeus could have like a something this year in in all Japan, but he got injured and he wasn't really given the big cake at the end after winning winning the champion carnival. So I don't know. It it I do find it interesting that all Japan got snubbed of everything this year, like everything. But that is it for Japan this week. Uh, like I mentioned, we do have to talk about Triple A's Triple Mania 28. But for that, we are going to be covering it in a mini episode that will come on um, just maybe one or two days after this episode that you are listening to right now. But without further ado, it is time for the Impact Traffic Report. Welcome, everyone, to Impact Wrestling. So Impact Wrestling right now is going through a really, I guess, weird situation. As we all know, that we even already talked about last week, we have the whole AW and Impact thing with Kenny Omega and Don Callis becoming um, a package. And obviously, Don Callis is the EVP of Impact Wrestling. Kenny Omega is the world champion of AW. And so we had this thing where, I mean, there's this connection uh, going on right now. Uh, last week, we saw Kenny just cut a promo and, on Impact that brought in a lot, a lot of people. I do believe they even beat uh, NXT in the ratings last week. And, and then they had this final resolution show, which well, it, this is an Impact Plus show. These shows up until the last one, which was a turning point, were not really big shows. They were not shows where things happen. These are shows just to fulfill like a contractual thing with Impact Plus to get more content. And that's it. Uh, There's really, there were really nothing big to him. And so now uh, they start to pay more attention but, uh, like, the weird thing right now for Impact is that they have all these eyes on them only because of Kenny Omega. Sure. But I don't think a lot of people really understand how Impact functions. And so let, let's go back to the beginning. Impact Wrestling records... Uh, I think it's once a month, but it may be even more nowadays. But they do at least record at least once a month. And they will record, if it's once a month, if not more, they record four shows plus one special show. That special show used to be just another Tuesday show. They've now started doing them on Impact Plus because they can do them live. Uh, and because they figure, oh, I guess we can sell some shows on, on, on Fight TV. Sure, they're still not necessarily big shows. Impact has four big shows. Hard to Kill in January. Slammiversary. Bound for Glory. 
and the other one escapes my head. <laughs> but it's uh it's the one that they re they started last year. I think it's Rebellion. Yes, Rebellion. Those are your big impact shows of the year. Those are the like impact books from like every three months uh, from those shows to those shows. So, for instance, we ended Bound for Glory with, yes, like uh, Rich Swan winning and all that stuff. Yeah. Between Bound for Glory and Hard to Kill, everyone started to think uh, the build is for Moose. Because we've seen moves like grow and get closer to Rich Swan. We now know that that's going to change as we are going to talk about this week's episode. But that is usually the plan. They, they follow. They go from for uh, packages of three months. And in between those three months, they had this little specials where they would do like small uh, shows that they can build just to keep things active. But at the same time, build. And so, for instance, uh, like in this case... We're seeing, we had seen up until this week, Rich Swan and Moose get built for the, uh, for arguably like a unification title. And in between, uh, they inserted like a little story between Ken Shamrock and Rich Swan. They inserted a small story between Rich Swan and Chris Bay. They're still building, like in the overall arch, they're building Moose versus Swan. But they add little things for Swan to do. So it's not just like it's hard to like have Moose and Swan feud without them touching. So meanwhile, they can have them like touch other people, not inappropriately. Uh, and so that's the way this shows work. And so here's the thing. Impact taped uh, four shows plus this special way before uh the the aw angle happened and so what that what is impact to do we have to record our program assuming that impact is not going to work out why because you cannot depend on some other promotion that's it like impact taped their shows their full, their full month assuming that the aw thing was not going to happen i do believe that it was already planned but one they they may not be able to like fully confirm a date from aw because as we've seen with aw uh they can lose main events due to COVID injuries many things and so it'd be stupid from impact to tape a full month of stories thinking that Omega is going to jump. Like, that's it. Like, and so you don't like fully have control of, of those things. And so like you had to, to, to do like something like final resolution with the card that you have. And, and in the same way, uh, Let's not forget, Kenny Omega is not an Impact talent. Uh, Impact cannot just decide to run stories with Omega without them ha making like slight sense on the Impact side too. Uh, so like, there's little many things that are happening, and so like I heard a lot of complaints that, or like not complaints, but just like arguments that uh, 
this is how they lead the the big Kenny Omega thing. Uh, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like defend the show that say that oh man, this was amazing, perfectly booked. No, it wasn't. It was a, a weak show. Uh, it was Tommy Dreamer versus Larry D, for instance, and that is a story that does not make sense to anyone that just started watching Impact last week. Because let's be real, a lot of people who are like right now talking shit about Impact have not watched a single show in main maybe years. And so they don't follow us. They don't follow anything. And so anyway, uh, this is where Impact, like, n like to me, today's show, the one that we are going to review from December the 15th, to me, this is where Impact really is going to be able to use Kenny Omega where Impact actually can start to book with the idea of getting the eyes of the people who started to follow them after the AW angle. To me, last week, and, and, I'll t and I'll, I said it last week, last week was a perfectly planned show for a big AW crossover. Because they showcased all their talent, their greater talent. Like they may have been with some of the four best wrestlers in the company and, and maybe the US. They had uh your your all your champions out there, except with Gallows that was out for some reason. Uh you had minimum comedy. Actually, I don't think they had any comedy. They even like they even took Jim Dreamer, who is the usual comedy guy, and then made him like somewhat serious last week. To me, last week was like a really, really fought out show for newcomers. And and like Final Resolution is a show that you kind of have to do, but it's already taped. Like you work with what you can. And and to me, that was it. Like I, I don't think people should see Final Resolution and think like, oh, Impact fucked up because they use what weight they had. Uh, it was taped way, way in advance. And like, let's be real. Like, did anyone buy Final Resolution because of Kenny Omega? No, no, you didn't. Don't pretend like you did. At most, you, you found it on, on Time on TV, you know? So anyway, a quick recap of Final Resolution. I don't want to waste a lot of time here. Uh, Tommy Dreamer defeated Larry G, so Larry G went to prison. Uh, the Sea Stars lost to Havoc and Nevea, which makes sense. I was just happy to see the Sea Stars back. Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K defeated Alicia Edwards and Eddie Edwards in a inter-gender like mixed tag team match, whatever you want to call it. Actually, this one I found to be really fun. It wasn't a good match because you do have uh, Alicia there, you know, and half of the match has to be Caleb doing comedy. But I found this match to be really, really fun. It was just fun, not good. Uh, we had Hernandez beat Falaba to continue this like story about stolen money. This was surprisingly good. It was a hoss fight, and in my opinion, like this is a really low bar, but this was the best that Hernandez has looked in months. Uh, we had Eric Young beat up Rhino, and this was more of an angle uh, to have. Cody Diener turn heel, betray Cousin Jake, and join Eric Young's like new stable he, that he's creating. We had Manic uh, TJP under a mask. 
defeat Rohi Raju to win the X Division Championship. This was arguably this was the best match up to this point in the show. Uh, it was just like great. Like TJP is an amazing wrestler. Rohit Raju is a completely underrated wrestler. And they had a really, really fast-paced, good striking and submission match. Then we had Diana Parasso defeat Rosemary uh, to retain her title. She won with Cosa Nostra. This was okay. Um, I, like I said, Rosemary, I think she's not as good as she used to be, but she sometimes looks really good, in, like especially in tag team matches. This was okay. Uh, and I mean, Parasso won, which is really like what it's all about. And this kind of this match also. Uh, Seemed to tease and build Diana Parasso versus Taya. And that is a few that I've been waiting for. And that's a few that I think is going to be really, really good. And so that may actually be our hard to kill direction for Diana Parasso. I think it seems like she's done with Suyon, or at least for now. And we may get Parasso versus Taya. And that should be amazing. And hopefully that, that won't be uh, Taya's final thing with the company. Um, but if it is, I mean, but better way to to exit. We had Carl Anderson defeat Ethan Page. Uh, so this was to be supposed to be like for a title shot uh, at the tag team titles, and so Anderson winning means that Page didn't get the titles. And this was an okay match. Uh, to me, this really exposed Ethan Page as a singles wrestler. I don't find him exciting. He. As a singles wrestler, he's like extremely generic. He, he, I mean, he'd be perfect for for WWE, as like because he's so generic. Um, and Candace Anderson looked good. Yeah, he looked good. I, I can't really say that he didn't. He looked good. Um, but that was it. And and I, unfortunately, this is all about like a storyline with Ethan Page. He seems to be leaving the company, but. Not necessarily. Uh, there's also like thoughts that uh, he's just going to change, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And the main event was Rich Swan defending the title and defeating Chris Bay. This was easily the best match of the night. Chris Bay is amazing. Rich Swan is amazing. And they mesh up together quite nicely. Um, again, this was just uh, like Rich Swan's like quick... Uh, you know, attack of the of the little mini boss of, of the month. And it was just great. After the match, Moose came out and like again he's he's teasing that he's chasing Swan. And so that is still like something that's out there. Whether Kenny Omega takes the title or not, Moose is still out there. And so we'll see what happens. But you know, it was an okay show by Impact. Um it was, I don't know, it, it's an Impact Plus special. There's nothing special. Uh, it does seem like they will become like more important as we go on. Uh, they're already building Genesis. And so it does seem that Impact is going back to the 12 pay-per-view uh, program. I still hope that they keep it so that they build to the big four with little pay-per-views in between. I think that works really well because it makes your, your big stories matter by the time you get there and you are allowed to push 
and use different wrestlers throughout that those four months so or three months so i don't know we'll see how it goes it, it definitely will mean that i'm gonna have to work more <laughs> so uh, i guess it's okay but let's go into the december 15th episode of impact wrestling uh the show opened with Tenille Dash with defeating Alicia Edwards. This was okay. I mean, maybe one of the better Alicia performances, but that is a really, really low bar. Eddie was, was out there, and he kind of seemed to, like, he could have started something with Caleb, but we also have Sammy Callahan out there, so I don't think it's going to go anywhere, unfortunately. Uh, because I I totally rather see Eddie Edwards versus Caleb Conley at this point and not Sammy Callahan, but Tennille Dash with, uh, defeated Alicia. Uh, after the match, Sammy Callahan cut a promo. He said like he's tired of attacking Eddie from behind, and so he just made like straight up a challenge next year, like rest uh, during the winter, and let's meet up at January fifth. So that would be I think the first impact episode after the holidays and it gave me the impression that this may be a career versus career type of match and sammy callahan's uh, contract is one that it's coming to an end so i wouldn't be surprised if we see the end of callahan maybe he will try to get himself a contract with aw so we'll see how it goes uh, we had Gia Miller interview Alex Shelley and Chris Saving. They pretty much talk about how in their, in their three-step plan to come back for the titles, they already defeated Triple XL. They got rid of the North, and now they're focused on the Good Brothers, which is tonight's main event. Uh, we saw Carl Anderson hang out with Kenny Omega and Don Callis a lot in their bus, and it's mostly just Omega and Don Callis bullying him about not being... The old machine gun G1 climax, uh, Carl Anderson, and so they're kind of like pushing him to be like more aggressive, more heelish, I guess, which also will come to fruition at the end of the show. In the same way, we also like in the same like I guess like skit ish, we saw Anderson get approached by Rich Swan, and Rich Swan was pretty much complaining about what Anderson. No, well, actually, no, it's the other way around. Anderson was complaining about what the Saban and Shelley had just said about the Good Brothers, and he was complaining to Swan. Swan kind of, like, defended the 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 machine guns, and so Anderson's like, counter to that was, like, uh, was pretty much implying that the real world champion is Kenny Omega, not Rich Swan. And so, obviously, like, you know, that the dissensions, it's there, the, the tension... And again, everything will come into fruition at the end of the show. This was a really, really like, like it was built really nicely how they built to the main event. We saw Moose come down to the ring and it was pretty much what we've seen of Moose for the last month or so where he's just pretty much saying, uh, hey, Rich Swan, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, I don't hate you, but I just want the title. And at the end, this... Uh, we saw Willie Mack come down, and he, he wasn't clear to wrestle, but he challenged Moose to a night quit match at Genesis, and I think Genesis is going to be January the 9th. 
And so there, that's our, our first match for Genesis. Like I said, these little shows are starting to get bigger builds uh, now. So they're going to be more important as we go on. But that's just like barely starting. It's, it's a process, you know, it's a process. We need to follow it. Anyway, they got into a pull apart. It was meh. Uh, after that, we saw Gio Miller interview Moose. And Moose kind of like made the... It was a really weird uh, response because uh, he talked about that that security are indie wrestlers working security as a means to get into promotions. And that is the reality of wrestling. It has never been uh, said. But I don't mind that they said it because in a way... It does. It's not a bad. I like. Not. It's not. I don't think it's something that needs to be like carefully protected. The idea that aspiring wrestlers uh, work as security as a side job for promotions in a means to like maybe get a job at the promotion. It makes perfect sense if you put it like that in kayfabe. So I I, I didn't mind, but it was kind of weird that he decided to pick a fight with security. Uh, all this indie wrestlers. We saw uh, Chris Bay approach Rohi Raju. Bay, Chris Bay has a match with uh, with Manic uh, later tonight. So he was trying to recruit Rohi Raju, and he was like, "Hey, you know, if we unmask Manic, they have to give the title back to you." And so Rohi was easily uh, part of the plan. He decided to go with Chris Bay. Uh, we got. Uh, another AW commercial with Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone and oh my god Tony Khan is <laughs> the most annoying heel that I've seen sometime <laughs> his all his comments are underhanded about how he could buy Impact if he wanted to and how he is funding Impact and how Omega is doing free publicity and they're getting the best ratings out of Omega. And it's great. <laughs> uh, because, so th here's the thing, like, this is, again, CCW versus Ring of Honor. You have Tony Khan. When Tony Khan cuts this promo to AW fans, he's a super baby face making fun of the little promotion. If you're an Impact fan, you're going to be like fucking cocky capitalist piece of shit get the fuck out of my camera you know uh i i really really like how they're building this i i do think that really really soon you need to have people from impact make fun of aw because otherwise uh, we know how fans are and they're just gonna be like oh this is making impact look bad blah 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 like, why would Impact book this on their show? But anyway, that was the commercial. It was, I mean, there are really cool things to watch uh, from this crossover. We had the first of three vignettes from Eric Young and Cody Diener. He's pretty much being indoctrinated into Eric Young's, like, stable. He's calling it, like, a baptism or something. And it was similar to the Bound for Glory commercials that Eric Young had uh, in a prison. And it's pretty much just them talking. Uh, they're, they're pretty relevant. It's a lot of like uh, Eric Young mumbo jumbo. 
but there were three and at the end Cody Deaner got baptized so new heel person for him that's that's all that we need to talk about it we had Chris Bay defeat the X Division champion Manic in a non-title match via DQ and the whole plan here was that Chris Bay had planned to get Rohit to attack him as a way to get DQ'd so that he could earn an actual title match against Manic because this was non-title. And it worked out perfectly for, for Chris Bay. They have they were having like a decent match, but at the end um he he got a ma- like a Rohi Raju to interfere in the match. And Chris Bay was like, What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck out of the ring. And, and like pushing him enough that uh Rohit attacked Chris Bay. And that's how he got the win. And so, good execution. (laughs) I'm guessing that Chris Bay versus Manic is going to be a Genesis match. I don't think this goes all the way too too hard to kill. But I guess it could. Like, there's argument that you could do Rohit versus Manic 2 at Genesis. And then do Chris Bay at Manic at Hard to Kill. Because the difference in time is not that different. It's like a month. So, there's, there's that going on too. Um, we had this thing with Ethan Page and Josh Alexander where Ethan Page is like, uh, we have a plan. We have a plan. And, and Josh Alexander's like, you know what? Like you need to get your life together, dude, get your shit together. And so Brian Myers walked up to Josh Alexander. He's like, Hey man, how about you and I tag team? We could be, you know, like the walking walk band, the most professional wrestler in the world. And Alexander was like, no, dude, fuck off. Let's, let's fight instead. Which, I mean, I mean, whatever. Sounds like a bad decision at this point. But uh, that led eventually to a match where Brian Myers defeated Josh Alexander via DQ. And I didn't like this. I thought the match had a lot of potential. But this whole thing was about Brian Myers knocking Ethan Page's head on the ring post. And then Ethan Page coming up as his like shitty Karate Man gimmick that he uses in the indies. And and he did like his karate shit and then attacked Brian Myers for the for the DQ. After that, Josh Alexander was like, you know, fuck this shit, dude. <laughs> he walked off. Uh so the news is that Ethan Page is either he said that this was gonna be like his final impact tapings. Um his contract is done and people do believe that he is off. So there's two things here. Uh, some people think that Ethan Page is gone, but Karate Man is here. Some people think that he's just like straight up gone and he's going to either likely try to get a job at NXT, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, but it's sad to see the the North get uh, broken up. And it's even sadder to see it uh, happen like because of Karate Man. So, uh that this was this this I didn't like. I do like the the idea of a Josh Alexander and Brian Myers uh team because I can't exactly see Impact pushing Josh Alexander as a singles competitor, at least not now. So they may as well try this tag team to see if it works. We had Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels defeat Rosemary and Taya in the knockouts tag team championship tournament semifinals. Uh, these two have like a little history together, especially with Taya. And so the match was pretty basic. Uh, 
Kogan and Steels cut off Rosemary. They worked on it for a while. Rosemary made a comeback, tagging Taya. And then the finish saw Diana Parasso and Kimberly come down and attack Rosemary, distracting Taya. And so Hogan got the pin. This would have been okay if not for, like, the referee was just standing there, like, not willing, like, willing himself to not turn around to see Diana Parasso and Kimberly, even though they were, like, making a lot of noise. And Taya was, like, screaming at them. And the referee was just there, like, trying to hold still because he can't move to see the, the interference. This was really good, if not uh, because of this referee that looked like a fucking idiot. Like, he just looked like an idiot, and he looked like he was doing it on purpose. So, oh, man, fuck this ref. He fucked it up. But the match was, in my opinion, good. Uh, I love the team of Hogan and Steels. <laughs> and I think Rosemary and Taya, like, look really good as a team. Uh, we had, let's see, what's up? Uh, Acer Romero approached Tommy Dreamer and about Larry D. Like, he just kind of was like Dreamer telling Romero to like figure out if Larry D got set up. The The real thing here is that Dreamer walked up to Rhino and Cousin Jake. They are talking about Eric Young and Joe Doring. And Dreamer said, like, you guys need to go and challenge those guys before things get worse. And so we are likely getting uh, Rhino and Cousin Jake versus... I don't know if it's going to be Eric Young and Doring or Diener and Young or Diener and Doring. Uh, I'm guessing Genesis. Uh, but that is, that is happening uh, one day. <laughs> And at the end, we had the main event, which was Carl Anderson and Chris uh, defeating Chris Haven. This was a really good match. Uh, we definitely saw like a more heelish, aggressive Carl Anderson and Saban. He worked on his leg, and Saban at the end made like a really good comeback. But at the end, Carl Anderson won by pulling the 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 tights on Saban, and so the match was good, but. It was really all about getting to that that roll up at the end where he wins like that. And after that, Rich Swan approaches Anderson and he's like, dude, what the fuck? You don't have to do that shit to win. Uh, like, that's not fucking you. That's not honorable. You're like, you're being pushed by Kenny Omega. And so Anderson attacks Swan and then the Mercy Machine Guns come for the aid. And then Gallows shows up. He returns and they start to like fight. And then out of nowhere, Kenny Omega comes in, boom, takes out Rich Swan, And there and there, this, uh, I guess, Bullet Club version <laughs> reunites. Um, the the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega with Don Callis there. And Don Callis makes it official. Hard to kill. Pay-per-view. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers team up versus Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. And that is going to be the main event. Of, of the next big impact pay-per-view. That is how the show closed with with Kenny Omega standing tall over Rich Swan. And so they are holding off uh, the title match between those two. And they're obviously going to hold off the whatever happens between Moose and Rich Swan. I don't know how they're going to like navigate this story. But we have a match for... Hard to kill now with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega will be wrestling for Impact. And so that was this week's episode. Uh, 
in my opinion, this was like a one story episode where it it's a lot of things happen and they're all trickling down to this big uh Mercy Machine Guns, Rich Swan, Anderson, Gallows, and Kenny Omega confrontation. And there was like little things throughout the show that they all kind of built to this. Uh, the rest of the show was, I mean, it was okay. Uh, I Some good decisions and bad decisions. Like, I didn't think anything was particularly like, like noteworthy. I don't think Karate Man and that, I think it's noteworthy because it's bad. But like, I thought the rest of the show was okay. I mean, the the Chris Bay manic thing was great. The Kira Hogan and Steels match was good, and that was it. Uh, it was an okay show. Like I said, this is the show where I think that Impact can properly now start to like work around with AW. Unfortunately, the next two weeks of Impact Wrestling are the, your holiday specials because they always every year they take two weeks off for the holidays and so i don't know if i'm going to be covering the best off i guess i could do like a year in recap in one of those shows of impact but we are likely not going to be getting new stuff until january the 5th uh, and we return with sammy callahan versus Eddie edwards so that's already sounds like a good main event but that was it for impact and that is it for this week's show oh my god this was so long it was really packed uh it was just like a really, really packed week and a lot of things happened and we didn't even get to talk about AAA, Triple Mania uh, 28, which will be a mini episode coming up either tomorrow or the day after the day after uh, because Triple Mania. Oh, my God. That's a show that that. Oh, oh my God. I'm just going to like already tell you I wasn't a big fan of a lot of things and for the first time ever, I gave a negative re- uh, rating to a match. And we are going to talk about all that in the mini episode of AAA. But without further ado, let's cut it here. Uh, there's no point in going on. Uh, life is short, so go outside and stay away from people. But, you know, enjoy the, the, the nature of the world. And that is it. Thank you. Go to iTunes and Spotify where you can find the podcast. Uh, leave a, 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 a review, like, hearted, uh, whatever is available. Uh, share with your friends, you know, go to DW Revolution where I'm going to post this and other uh, tweets on Twitter and share them too and like them. Uh, let's promote each other. <laughs> and then you can go to DWRevolution.com where you can find a fully written description of most of the shows that I uh, talked about here. <clears throat> Uh, with the exception of Impact, where you can go to Figure 4W Online. Uh, yes, DW, the Figure 4W Online, where I do the, from I guess from now on, uh, live uh, recaps of the show. As long as Kenny Omega shows up, I think we're going to be doing them live. And so that is it. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I love you all. Goodbye. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.